Hello and thank you so much for downloading this special episode of Bees Pod. Mem and I have been discussing for a while ways of shaking up the format and getting some great interviews into our new format of shows. And with much consideration, we decided to launch the first of these episodes with a brilliant interview with one of Barnett's favourite sons, Kenny Lowe. I hand over to Mem for this episode, who interviews the great man, and here are some cracking stories about Barry Fry and the days when Barnett truly were one of the most entertaining sides in the land. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, this is Bees Pod. Um, I'm, this is Mem here. Um, today we've got a special guest. Uh, as a 13-year-old, one day we had this uh, tall, slim, scruffy-looking player turn up and from the first moment started pinging balls around the pitch. Uh, and that, that player was Kenny Lowe, who I have on the line now with me. How you doing, Kenny? Yeah, good, ma'am. Yeah, good, thanks. Good, good. Um, thanks ever so much for, uh, for speaking with us today. Um, how's it going at Perth? Um, how's the pre-season going at Perth? Yeah, uh, it's the longest pre-season in the world over here. It takes about, uh, about 12 weeks because we have a cup competition at the beginning and then we, then we ease into the season. So uh, we're probably halfway through. Uh, just on a little uh, four-day break at the moment, and then we're then we're back in with the final six weeks. So, um, so that's you've come a long ways from. Uh, well, I suppose it's Hartlepool, isn't it? Your first club, um, yeah. Uh, to uh, to Perth. Um, just uh, I suppose to start with, um, how did you? You know, did you come through Hartlepool's youth system, or how did you? How did you get into the into the into the game? I was a kid, actually. I was, uh, I think, I was sixteen. But before that, I got offered a two-year apprenticeship with Blackburn. Um, but my old fella that, at that time, so what I'd be talking sixteen, so it's nineteen seventy-eight, something like that. You would have had to, uh, you would have had to sign indentures. But my old fella wouldn't sign the indentures to go to Blackburn. He made me, uh, he made me get a job as a pipe fitter welder because he thought I wasn't good enough. <laughs> so how, 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 how Hartlepool transpired was that I read a, a newspaper and it was uh, advertising trials. So I didn't tell my mum and dad, I just jumped on the bus, took my boots and went to Hartlepool. And it's quite ironic in the same trial as a kid, Andy Linnigan, who ended up playing for Arsenal. And, and Phil Brown, who ended up, you know, I think coaching Hull in the Premier League. So those two guys were at the same trial at the time, many moons ago. Oh, wow. So were Hartley, Hartlepool obviously were division. Were they divi- uh, like the old uh, Division Four? Yeah, they were. Uh, I think every year I was there, they got they had to go in for re-election. You know what I mean? You had to get uh, at that time. I think uh, there was no promotion or relegation. I don't think from the conference, you had to get go to, to the rest of the football league clubs and get applied to get re-elected. Um, and uh, and Hartlepool, I think every year I was there. I think I was there four years. Uh, they ended up getting re-elected every year. Wow! So, so because I think you because you left Hartlepool when you were twenty-three, didn't you? Yeah, I got or released. I got released. They actually let me go. They said I wasn't good enough, so I actually went and played non-league football for a club called Billingham Town in the uh, what was then the Northern League, uh, which is probably uh, oh three or four levels below the Conference. Well, did you did you ever think you were going to get back into the league? No, no, I think at the time, you know, you're playing probably the worst club in the country and they tell you you're no good. So, you know, you've got to have a, <laughs> you've got to have a little bit of belief, I guess, you know. But I thought I could play. Maybe I wasn't, uh, 
maybe I wasn't the, the best player with regards attitude and work rate, you know. Uh, probably not until I bumped into Barry Fry at Barnet did that change, you know. Yeah, no, it's, just, it's interesting because I think you first came onto the radar for Barnet fans, I think around your time at Barrow. Um, and I, from some of the guys that I've spoken to, some of the old boys, I think they remember you from Barrow. Um, and so, but by that point, you were, you were, you were approach, approaching your 30s, weren't, weren't you, around that time? Yeah, I think I come to, uh, I think I come to, uh, to Barnet in 1990. You know, I'm 61 born, so I'd be 29. You know, I think something like that. But I played a lot of non-league football. I'd been on the fringes of the England semi-pro team. I think I spent four years at Gateshead and then five years at Barrow uh, with, with the same manager, Ray Wilkie, uh, who was, it was very much like Baz, you know, remained very passionate, knew the game. It, it was great to play for like Baz. You know, I was quite fortunate in that the people I played for, like Billingham Town, was a guy called Ray Halliday. He was a fan. It was just like Baz. And Ray, you know, he was the same type of guy. So I was quite fortunate for the people that I played for. So I suppose the interesting thing about it is, so you've obviously you've, you've spent a bit of time in the league, didn't wasn't expecting to go back in the league, um, and then you've ended up you've ended up at Barnet. Who, from what I understand, um, you didn't you didn't move down south. Um, so explain. So, so tell us how how you came back to joining Barnet and. Um, and how you managed to make it work. I think you lived up north, didn't you, whilst you were playing for us? I was just outside Middlesbrough. But how it happened was Barrow needed... Barrow had a big tax bill, and they needed 40 grand. And then uh, Ray Wilkie said he was going to sell me. And I said, I'm not going. I'd sooner give the game away. I'm, I'm not. And he said, I'm selling it to, to, to Barnett. I said, I'm not signing. I'm not going. And I think Bar uh, Barnett had offered 30 grand at the time. And then apparently Baz said to Ray, I'll give, you another, give, I'll give the boy another 10 grand. And Wilkie went, no, you can give us the 10 grand, he's coming anyway. So that, that extra 10 that was going to go to me went to Barrow to make up the 40 grand instead of the 30 grand transfer fee so they could pay the taxman. Um, so that's kind of that's how I ended up with Barnet. So did you, what, was your, what were your thoughts initially? So when you were coming up against Barnet, because um, Barrow were a conference side around that time, weren't they? Um, yeah. So, so what were your what were your impressions of Barnet before you you actually knew that Barnet were interested in you? I was a northern lad, you know. I was a ragged northern lad. I think I'm not going down to play with all them southerners, you know. I'm not going to live down there, you know. And uh, it was amazing that uh, the Barry just said, no, no, just come down and play. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, just turn up on a Saturday and play. And I thought he was joking, you know. Uh, to pay all that money at the time, I think it was a record. I think he bought me and Mark Carter for the same amount of money. And uh, and also Paul Shawler, three of us more or less came together, and uh, not 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 one of us, not one of us, not one of us trained. <laughs> we just used to turn up on a Saturday and play. Uh, but I tell you what, I wish I'd, I wish I'd come when I was eighteen. I wish I'd played for Barry when I was eighteen. With those players, I mean, not with just good players at Barnet. They were like really top lads, good, good fun. Alzi and Steeny, you know, your bully, Nicky Evans, you know, Paney, Bodley, Lynchy, you know, Frankie Murphy, Spit. You could just go on forever. Every lad was a good lad, you know, not just a good footballer, but they were, they were good fun as well. Well, I mean, things, you, you just have to look at what the clubs that all them players ended up at after, 
um, after that team got broken up. And we'll come on to that in a sec. We'll come to in a you know a little bit in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean for for Barnet fans, they still consider that to be the golden era. Um, I mean, what I find amazing is um, is the fact that that none of the three of you didn't uh, didn't train, and yet out on the pitch you still had that amazing uh, chemistry, um, and the way that the team played uh, that sort of brilliant attacking football. I mean, what do you think it was about that, you know, that made you guys, you know, you couldn't, didn't train together, but you still had this brilliant um, sort of, how to say it, understanding on the pitch? It was, you know what it really was? I think it was just everyone got on with everybody, more or less. And, you know, I remember, like, Duncan Orton, like, I'm playing alongside Duncan, or I think Kevin Durham as well, who was there, and, 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 uh, and Carl Hoddle, you know, the midfield players, we all played in there, but... Everyone just looked after everyone. Dunk had worked his bollocks off and, and, and give me the ball, you know, and then I did something that I was good with. I think what everybody did, they did they were, there was no egos there, you know. And also it was a big squad, so, you know, if you didn't perform, you didn't play. You know, I remember, I think I got picked in the PFA Team of the Year and I was actually sat in the stand when, we, when I got presented my medal because I, I'd been dropped that game, but I'd been picked in the Team of the Year, but Baz dropped me, you know. So... You know, it's it's because we had good players and everyone was really focused. You know, to to do something. So, who were the main characters in the Barnet changing room around that time? There was no quiet characters, mate. Honestly, trust me. They used to like when we turned up. I think the call there was a there was a sure you might you were maybe too young. It was like on the buses, and like I remember. Yeah, well, Mark Carter turned up this day in this blue suit, and that was it. The lads just started calling him Blakey after they like the little fella off on the buses. Shell's <laughs> Shell, had, had a few spots and that, so the lads used to call him Freddy Krueger because his complexion wasn't the best. And then they used to call, they used to call me Bart Simpson because I like, had a little tufty hair and stuff, you know, but we used to get hammered off all the, all the Southern boys. They had all the good gear on, they all thought they were dogs bollocks, but we were the three best players at the team. <laughs> <laughs> so, who was, so who was essentially the team whipping boy then? Uh... You know, I think Lynchy got a bit of stick, you know, like the lads on the fringe, you know, because Lynchy liked all his gold and he was like a little bit out there, a little bit edgy, you know, and the lads used to just hammer him. Um, but generally it was, it was good fun. It was real. I look back on it, that, like I said, I wish I'd gone there when I was 18. I wish I'd played for Barry when I was 18. Uh, but I was lucky, like I say, I had Ray Wilkie, who was fantastic for me as well at Barrow. So, like I say, I'm, I'm quite blessed with the people I played for. Now the, now, the impression that some of the supporters get is that, is that sort of Barry Fry didn't really do tactics and sort of basically just told players to go out and play. I mean, is that a bit of a misconception or is that essentially what he did? No, nah, Barry, was, Barry was cute. He knew what he wanted. Um, the one thing that was unbelievable with Barry, and I don't think you can buy, and I still think he's doing it now if I look back, you know, if I look at the clubs he's been at, Peterborough, you know, Southend... The, the amount of players that he brings through, the amount of players that he identifies. You know, I remember him uh, leaving Barnet, going to Southend, and he signed Stan Collymore, I think, for Southend. And then <coughs> about five, six months later, flogged him for about 1.2 million to Liverpool or something like that. You know, he, he got Jonathan Hunt for us at, uh, at Barnet, and I think he'd walking his dogs one Sunday morning, and there was a game on, and... He, he saw Hunty playing as a 16-year-old and he said, come on, son, you can come and play for me. I think Hunty's first one was like, who are you? You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't have a clue. He was this bloke walking his dogs. But 
Hunt, he ended up going to Derby for 1.2 million, you know what I mean? He hardly played as well. I, I remember at the time, he just... But what, what was amazing about Barry Fry was that it was using the media to really price up a player. I mean, he, would, he would literally... As, as, when he spoke to the media, I think he'd stick an extra, an extra quarter of a million on the player, just by, just by the amount of enthusiasm he had for the players. I remember we went to Villa one time and played a game behind closed doors when Ron Atkinson was the gaffer. And we've gone with a, uh, with a reason they wanted to look at Bully in the game. We played, we played Villa. I think we drew 1-1 with Villa. And I like, probably had one of the best games I've ever had in my life. And, uh, and I remember coming off the pitch and Ron Atkinson comes up to us and said, all right, son, what's your name? How old are you? Before I could say I was like 29 or 30 or something, Baz went 22, you know what I mean? Like for a little bit of banter, you know? <laughs> he's like always trying to do a deal. And he's going, you can't afford him, Ron. You can't afford him. You know what I mean? He's only 22 years old. You can't afford him. You know, I was 29. <coughs> so that's Baz all over, you know? And what about, and what about, because um, around obviously that era, um, when you had the original nutcase chairman um, in Stan Flashman, um, was he as nuts as everybody makes out? Probably. I remember we played Blackpool, I think, and we come in. I think it was the playoff game where we, we got beat 1-0, I think. And Stan's come in and knocked the door off the hinges into the dressing room and just started abusing all the players, saying we were crap. And like Bass said something along the lines, you can't take to the, the players like that, they're my players. And Stan said, no, they're not, they're my players. And anyway, they ended up starting fighting. The lads had to dive in and separate them in the changing room. So... By that time, we've all had a shower and we go back in the bar and there's Stan and Baz have got their arm round each other at the bar having a drink. One's got a cut ear, one's got a collar hanging off. You know, from, from one minute they want to stab each other to the next minute they were kissing each other, you know. It was just, hey, but a lot of the lads said they wish they'd kept the journal. It would have been a bestseller, honestly, with the things that went on. I, I bet. I mean, how many times do you reckon um, Barry Fry got sacked in the period that you played for Barnet? Oh, it must have been at least five or six. I think he probably resigned five or six as well, you know. Uh, you just didn't know what was going to go on, you know. And then we had the little period, I think, in the, my second year where we never got paid for three months but still got promoted. You know, it was quite amazing, really. It just showed the, the camaraderie of the players. See, that, yeah, see, that was an interesting time because I remember, um, we, I mean, we had such a brilliant team, but yeah, it was, it was really, I mean, was it just Stan Flash would just stop, they just stopped paying the wages one day? I think what had happened, maybe they didn't pay it the right way and pay the right, you know, tax and national insurance. And uh, I think you used to get a, at the time, you know, you used to get your, your pay. And then all of a sudden, one day, just like it wasn't quite the amount you agreed. And uh, I don't think the tax and national insurance were getting paid. And the taxman come in, so that's how it all came about. So what happened, <coughs> Stan just then, I think you got 63 quid, 17 pence, I think was just your... Your, your stamp and your national insurance minimum, you know what I mean, to cover your, to cover your stamp, and that's, that's all we were getting. But I remember, I think Gary Phillips was doing an extension, he had a hole in the side of his house with a, pl with a pl big plastic bag over it because uh, he couldn't pay the builders, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine that's been uh, shocking. I mean, I mean, that team as well, I mean, the fact that you guys managed to, was it, that was the promotion that you got in, um, you, we got to into Division 1, wasn't it? Well, the old, what is yeah. now the Division 1? Yeah, the old, like, uh, I think it was the old third or whatever it is, the old third division, yeah. But, yeah, it was amazing, uh, amazing we did it. I think Baz had left by the time we got promoted. I think Steeny and, uh, I think Steeny and Halsey might have been taking the team at that time, you know. 
I suppose that shows the strength of characters you have in that team to get you get you across the line. Um, bearing in mind what was going on behind the you know behind the scenes. Yeah, I think yeah, like I said, there's a massive camaraderie there, and I think also now when everyone looks back and talks about it, I think it it kind of makes it even more special, and it, it shows how well everybody got on. Yeah, can I can imagine. Now I was wondering, of of the the players that you played with um, in your time at Barnet, who would you say your favourite player to play with was? Oh, there's that many. Uh, I, lo I love playing with Shaula because he's like I'm right footed, so I could actually smack it 40 yards in front of him. He was that quick, he'd make a crap ball look like a good ball. You know what I mean? So he made me look good. Uh, Duncan Orton, again, just pure, just because he was just such a genuine guy, he like kind of covered for all my like lack of endeavour, if you know what I mean. I was like a lazy bastard. Duncan used to. <laughs> Him and Pay I think I took five years off Payne's career and Duncan's career with them two just playing with me, you know. But those are two guys. But um, I think Bully as well. Obviously, you know, you could Bully would make runs for you, that you could play balls. He was just a he was a super player. But they're all, you know, all got even, you know, the back four lads, Howells, he was a good player. You know, Big Bodley was a good player. You know, there wasn't many in fact there wasn't any poor players in the group. It was it was a fantastic time. I, I, I can remember it. I can remember it really well. I was only young, but it was ingrained in, in my brain. And I mean, it, obviously, after that, after that sort of crazy summer, where I mean, everybody essentially left, didn't they? Um, I think except for Gary Phillips. Um, I think Mark. Um, Cart I think Mark Carter stayed, and, and Spike stayed. Uh, Spike and uh, Gary Phillips stayed. I think. Yeah, I think it was about three. And you you went off to. Was it my right saying you went off to Stoke? Yeah, I was actually signing for Baz at Southend. I was going to Southend and the deal was more or less done. But the chairman, their chairman was a bit crazy as well. Um, and he, and he, he wanted to structure the deal differently. So, uh, And then all of a sudden I was signing for Sunderland. I was going to Terry Butcher at Sunderland. I'm actually in the car on the way to the ground and I get a call to say it's off. I packed my job and everything in. So... Off the back of that, Terry Butcher fixed me up, fixed me up with Lou Macari, and I went to Stoke and played a game there, and then they offered me a deal. And then I signed it at Stoke, and then a day later, Baz rang and said, right, the deal's done. I said, oh, I've signed for Stoke. He wasn't happy. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I can imagine that, that uh, conversation's quite blue. Yeah, yeah, he used, to ring my, he used to ring my house up and ring it home. My old girl, bless her, she's passed away a, a while ago now, my man, but... Uh, she was one of the, she's prim and proper, no, you know, and Buzz would get on the phone, hello Lil, is fucking Kenny in? You know what I mean? And I'm go, Barry, can you please not swear? Oh, fucking hell, sorry, sorry, love. You know what I mean? He's just brilliant, mate. He's just, what you, what you got is what you saw, you know what I mean? No, of course it is. Are you, still, are you still in touch with Barry? Actually, I was speaking to him, maybe it's about three months ago. There was a friend of mine, was, they were at some, some dinner and Buzz was with him and this lad had lived in Australia and, he rang me and I was having a bit of chat with Baz and I've sent him a few messages over the time. So yeah, now and again we keep in touch. We've got our num I've got his number, he's got my number, which is good. Do you ever recommend him players or uh, he recommends you players? Yeah, I've, I've tried to send him a, a couple through from the lads from over here. Uh, one, la one lad ended up in uh, Inter Milan, uh, so Baz could have done him, could have made a few quid on him if, he'd, uh, if he took him as a kid. Uh, but yeah, there's a few times, a few of the Australian boys over here, if they've got EU passports, you know, if they've emigrated, there's a few good kids over here. I can imagine. So um, I suppose, so get, so 
I remember, so after you left Stoke, um, you, you ended up with Baz at Birmingham, didn't you? Yeah, I think I had four years with Baz at Birmingham. Uh, it was quite amazing. Uh, Steeny was there, Bodley was there, I think Payne was there. It was a good few of us. Uh, I think Bully came on loan at one stage. Uh, it was like a home from home, you know. So that was even madder. <laughs> it was interesting about Bully, wasn't it? Because the, am I right, I'm right, he went to Forest, didn't he? But he hardly, he hardly got a game. Yeah, I think he picked up a few injuries, you know, and uh, it didn't quite pan out for him. But, you know, that's, you know, even if you look at, say, myself, you know, you're moving up a level, you know, you don't play as many games. But, you know what, it was certainly enjoyable with Barry at Birmingham as well. It was a big club. Um, and I, I, I had some good times there as well. So that, that was in the sort of the old second division, wasn't it? Yeah, the, uh, the championship, yeah. I think, it, I think it turned just that year into the championship. Um, but yeah, I think they got relegated and then they came back up again. So it was always interesting. I think we, Baz went in round about Christmas time. They were bottom of the league. I think the crowds were something like fifteen thousand by the time they went down on last game of the season. But the crowds had gone up to twenty six thousand or something. We were playing Blackpool and people like that. It's six one and unbelievable games of football. If, if I'm rightly around that time as well, I think didn't you have like a squad of about forty or fifty players? I always remember Danny Wallace because it was done alphabetically. Danny Wallace went onto the pitch one day and they put a number five up and a number six up. I think Danny Wallace was number 56 in the squad because we were the first club. We were the first club at the time to put names and numbers on the back of shirts, I think, at the time. And, uh, and yeah, I, th I think Danny Wallace was number 56 or number 51 or something like that. But yeah, it was fun. It was, I always remember the end, end of season, you know, when you're coming out at the end of season and you have the, uh, you're hanging around for deadline day. And Baz said he, yeah. had, he said he had two phones, one phone to bring players in and one phone to bring, send players out. And he said, you lot are that fucking bad. He said, this phone to go out is not ringing at all. Because <laughs> Barry Fry, I mean, at Barnet especially, he used to collect players like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it was... It was it was it was it was a waste of time sometimes having a program, but you literally pick it up and you go, uh, all right, um, that guy on there is definitely not the one that's on the program. And I remember actually, especially when you first made your debut, I was like, I was looking at thinking, oh, who's that guy? Um, it used to be that, but it used to be a regular occurrence. Was it was it a bit like that at Birmingham when you were sort of a new person sitting next to you every day? Yeah, I think uh, like a little bit. You know, there's always lads coming on loan or someone going, someone coming. You know, it was like quite interesting. Um, but he loves a player, Baz. He loves a he loves a player. I always remember at Barnet, he's saying, right, you can. We had that bigger squad. He would send lads out on loan, but like, say, so right, you're going on loan to Welling, or you're going on loan to Grays or somewhere like that, and the lads will be going, I don't want to go on loan. He said, hang on a minute. He'll say, but don't tell, don't tell Stan, but I've told Stan that the club can't afford to pay your wages, so we're going to pay your wages because you're getting some game time. But when you get there, they'll also pay your wages. So what had happened is for a month you go away and get double bubble. <laughs> you get paid by the, you get paid by Stan and you get paid by the other club. So he's so, he, so a lot of the lads have got okay. I don't mind a month away. That'll pay for my holiday or that'll get the missus a fridge or something like that. You know, it was brilliant. He's saying whatever you do, don't tell Stan. You know, nah, it was top notch. Top notch. So actually, sort of go sort of go go backwards and forwards, but there was it just popped in sort of a question in my head was that out of the, some of the players you did play with at Barnet, was there any players in particular you you thought that could have got gone further in their careers and probably didn't 
make the most of it in terms of things didn't work out or you know any players yeah. particularly thought were really good but should have done better. Yeah, I look at uh, I look at little um, I, I look at Nicky Evans for one. Nicky was a fantastic footballer, but a little bit older, so maybe that 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 door had closed for him. You know what I mean? But what a what a player Nicky was, uh, and and Frankie Murphy as well. I mean, he's like an old style inside forward, great feet, an eye for goal. But I remember, I think he used to have a fag at half time, you know, and stuff like that. I think well, that's why he's, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but there's some great players, you know. That you know, a lot of the boys. Um, a lot of boys could have played at you know a high level, you know a high level. You know, your Harry Willis moved on to Watford. You've got Davy Regis. I think when I came just at the time where Davy Regis and Hards who had gone to Notts County, I think Andy Clark had gone to Wimbledon. You know, there's like un- unbelievable amount of movement of players, not downwards but upwards. You know, it was quite amazing where where the players went from Barnet. You know, well, I think I think that team that's the team that's split up. I think they. Um... I think the majority of them ended up in high divisions, didn't they? There was only like sort of obviously the the sort of handful that stayed behind at Barnet, and I think uh, yeah, like you said, the ones you listed, it was crazy. Just um, it just makes you makes you wonder what was you know what was possible with that that group of players in Division One. It definitely yeah, stuck stuck together. So uh, so do you still keep in touch with some of the old players? Yeah, I do actually. Halsey, I, I keep in touch with a little bit on Twitter. Um, uh, he's the top guy. I remember, I think, going away on, on holiday a few, many years later into Iron uh, Apper into Cyprus. And then there's a little chant over the, uh, the microphones, and it was Halsey. I think he was looking after all the DJs at the time over there. And I bumped into him with my missus. So, yeah, Halsey, I, I try and keep in touch with if I can, you know. So it's, it's good. Oh, good, good. So, um, so, so, how did you end up um, in Australia? I, um, when I left Hartlepool, I came to Australia in uh, 1986. I had one year. I played in Australia. So, I had a, once I finished at Hartlepool, I got released. And I had an opportunity to come and play out in Perth. So, I came for one year. And, uh, and I had a year here playing. Uh, and then obviously went back home, did whatever I did, you know, Barrow, Gateshead, Barnet, Birmingham, Stoke, the usual. And then um, when I was at Birmingham, I finished a degree in mechanical engineering. So when I finished playing football, I went to work for oil and gas companies like uh, BP, Foster Wheeler, Shell, people like that. And then uh, <clears throat> probably maybe about 12, 13 years ago, I had an opportunity to come to work for a big oil and gas company in Perth. And uh, on a two on a two year project, so I actually resigned from Barrow. I was I was at Barrow as manager at the time. I'd been at I'd, yeah. I'd had two years coaching at Gateshead and five years coaching at Barrow, and um, I resigned from Barrow and, and went uh, to Perth for this for this oil and gas job. And uh, when I got here, got involved in that, and I bumped into a few guys who I played with at Hartlepool who were coaching out here. So I got involved yeah. on the with it, like in the youth development. So I ended up working yeah. for their FA for 12 years, working as an engineer, but on an evening working for the FA and their youth development programmes in Perth. Uh, and got, oh, wow. a, got a decent reputation. Uh, got a lot of boys into the like under-17, under-20 national teams. And then uh, uh, the Glory sacked their coach and they needed someone just as a caretaker for three months, so they'd give the job to me. So, and then from there it's just snowballed. I've been there four years now. Yeah, because because uh, you've been you've been pretty successful now as a, as the coach of uh, Perth Glory, because um, you won the 
Mara, you, you got to the final, didn't you? Um, is it the FFA Cup? We've been in uh, we've been in two FA Cup finals now, uh, which are obviously huge over here. Uh, and then the three the three or four years I've been in, we've been in. We always have finals football at the end. You've got to be in the top five or whatever it is to play finals football in the playoffs. So we've done that every single year. This and then last year we got beaten in the semi-finals uh, just before the grand final. So we, we've done okay. We've done okay. Because I've got, I have actually, because I, because I used to, um, I stayed in Australia for a period, and um, I used to go and watch Melbourne Victory quite a lot. Um, okay. But the things that obviously the, when you're out in Australia, that obviously the, the media seems to be only, only interested in the sort of Melbourne, uh, Sydney, um, and then so I think Queensland as well. Um, they, that that was what I noticed. So Perth seems to be kind of a bit of a sort of the dark courses uh, of the league. I think if you, you look at the league, I think Melbourne, if you like have an analogy, Melbourne City, you were owned by Manchester City. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they spent 9.5 million last year on their, uh, on their wage bill for the players. Um, and we spent 3 million, except we, we beat them and finished higher in the league than them. And so that's kind of, we, we kind of punch above our weight a little bit. We score, we score, we're a typical Barnet, we score a hell of a lot of goals, but we concede a hell of a lot of goals, you know, we're a, we're a great, I think last year we had, uh, I think, nine times, 27 games, nine times or more, we scored three goals or more, you know, we had a 5-4, 5-0, we had four 3-3 three, three draws, um, yeah, we're a, we're a little bit we're, we're a little bit like a Barry Fry Barnet, we, we, we tend to attack and forget to defend. So, uh, so in terms of in terms of um, coaching at Perth, I mean, have you got any uh, um, any ambitions to sort of to have a sort of coach back in coaching the in the English league? Yeah, you've always got ambitions, haven't you? You you want to go to a good level and test yourself. So, I think it's not something that I thought would interest me when I finished playing. You know, I got into it because I was the oldest player at the club, thirty nine, and the and the sack the coach. That's how I got into it, and it's. It something had never entered my head, but now you're in it, and I've been in it, you know what, a fair old while now. You know, you you you, you kind of takes over your life a little bit, and you become quite passionate about it. So yeah, like any walk of life, you want to do well. So if things pop up, you never know where it ends up, man. Definitely, I mean the lifestyle must be great out in Perth. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, I've got I came here with three kids. I've got another two, so I've got five kids. Um, so the lifestyle there. They love it. They like the beach. They like to be out. You know, it's it's a be- Perth's a beautiful place to live. A beautiful place to live. Yeah, I've never, I've never actually been, never been out to out that side of uh, Australia. Um, we'll have to when uh, one day. If, or if you're any Barnet fans are out there, um, make sure when you go you go to Australia, make sure you check out Perth uh, Perth, Perth Glory. Um, so a question I was going to ask you actually because because uh, because always. Because you had one of the most random Barnet songs, and uh, do you still do you still do you still remember your Barnet chant? No, no. I, I still to this day I can never remember the words, but I always remember there was somebody managed to put the word Pengio um, to rhyme with Kenny Lowe. Um, <laughs> to this day, it's just it's just back in them days. It's just some really random songs that were put together, and it just popped into my head. Um, about that, about that song. Now, actually, because there's a lot of obviously Barnet have moved to um, the Hive in in the last few years, um, but obviously you were very accustomed to the Underhill. I mean, what do you remember about Underhill? I remember the slope. Yeah, I remember uh, being really close to the fans. You know, because you'd 
They'd be like as though they're right on top of you. I remember the houses on the far side. They were quite close to the ground and the, and the standing area there. Um, changing rooms. I remember the bar. The stand built a new bar down in the bottom right-hand corner. I remember, I remember the, 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 the new like uh, structure that was built. I remember the old bar. I remember Buzz one year actually trying to roll the ground on, I think it was Christmas, New Year's or something like that, to try and get the game on the tractor. And he got, he got dragged off it by the police because uh, I think the, the, the local residents thought it was some hooligans driving a tractor up and down the ground at like three in the morning or something like that. And Baz was trying to roll the pitch so he could get the game on. I think, he had a t- I think he had a tuxedo on as well and his missus was making the tea, Kirsten, in the, uh, in, in, in the, club, in the club shop. Uh, happy days, mate. Happy days, mate. That sounds, it sounds amazing. I mean, uh, oh, to to have been in that changing room um, around that period would have been, I'm just, like you said before, you'd probably write your own book on it. He never, you know what? He never, he never picked a team, Baz. He never picked a team. You'd come in, and you'd have name cards slid above your peg, so you knew you were playing. So when I first came, <coughs> like I would go in. Because I'd go early, because I'd travel down. So I'd drop my bag, have a look at oh, number 10, Kenny Law, and then I'd go in the boardroom and watch St. and Greavesy. So this day I've gone out and then I've come and sat back. I haven't looked up at the peg. And then, uh, like, Mark Carter goes, Get out of the way. I said, What do you mean? I'm number 10. He said, No, no, out of the way. And I looked, and Mark Carter's name was in number 10. And that, that is the first and only time I ever went in once and I saw that if my name was in the name tag, I wouldn't leave the changing room. And what used to happen was Baz would put the team in to start with, go away and think yeah. about it, and then come back with a name. He'd take a name tag out of there and slide that in. He'd take, he'd take Bully out and then he'd put Spike in and then he'd come back and take Spike out and put Bully in. This would be maybe two hours before the game. So I learned that, that like if my, number, if my name was in number 10, I wasn't getting out of that changing room because if I went out, you got a good chance that Baz would change the name card and you wouldn't be in the starting eleven. <laughs> but if you if you sat there, he wouldn't change your name because he didn't want to have conflict. Brilliant. So did you, so, so with the players just basically as soon as you, as soon as you pick the team, everybody's sitting in their place, or was it were you, were you the only one to suss that out? No, because I was new, like I only sussed it out when it happened to me once. If you know what I mean. You, because I'm new, until it happened to me, I didn't know what went on. But all the lads would come in and just stay there. You know, but I'd get there early because I'd travel down from... Uh, I'd get there maybe it's 12 o'clock for the 3 o'clock game, just in case there was something wrong with the trains, you know. But he'd, go, he'd, he'd, walk, he'd put the team up and then he'd walk around again and he'd start changing the names. And it was uh, David Els. Elzer used to say that it was like, a, like a, a load of bingo balls. He'd put all the bingo balls in his head just before he went to bed and then the only problem was that he would turn over and all the balls would fall out and he'd have to pick the team again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's, I, I, I wish. Oh, anyway, um, Kelly, thanks ever so much for your time. Um, I could literally speak for ages and ages, but... Uh, um, Ian, who's uh, who's currently off off um, uh, off screen, he's he's going to be putting this together. So um, so yeah, so uh, but he will he'll do a bit of an edit, um, and uh, and then we'll probably hopefully put, pop it up later this week. Um, but Kelly, ever, thanks ever so much for your time. It was it's been a real pleasure. No, my all mine. Trust me, I was very very fortunate to play with some 
with some pe super people at that club. So, you know what? It's uh, I wish I'd done it a lot earlier, like I said. Thank you so much. And I really hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as Mem and I did. If you've got any recommendations on who else we could have on the show, please do let us know. And as ever, we'll be interspersing these interviews with our regular shows as well. Thank you so much for all of your support. Without it, none of this would be possible. And we really hope you enjoy listening to our shows in the future as well. Thank you and goodbye.